want to start, I want to go back to James. In James chapter 2, Dad, here we go. Bless your heart. I know you just love James. But we're going to go back to James. I, I, I told you before, I, I've read ahead, read several chapters. If you could look at my Bible right here, I, I got probably as many marks on the book of James as I do probably when it comes to other doctrinal things. And James is just full of stuff. And uh, uh, this one tonight is going to talk about a, a, a mindset or a doctrine, actually, justification by faith. And uh, I'm going to try my best. I'm asking you here tonight. I need you to help me uh, because I, I, I want to keep you engaged. I'm going to do my best to, to give it to you uh, and try to make it as appealing as I can. But here's the facts. It's just it's one of those things. But if, if you understand what's behind it, that's what I want us to catch tonight purpose of, of faith and works and uh, because it all fits together in what we've been, ta what we've been talking about and ultimately where I'm trying to go, there's lessons I've, I've got that I want to teach. Uh, I'm talking this to, to the youth and hyphen uh, about our young people talking about holiness and these things. They're asking questions about, about why and the what's and, and how does all this work and, and I want to get into that. But these are foundational understandings that if we can get this tonight, and when we get to those things, everything's going to make sense and it's not going to be a, a bunch of rules and regulations. But we begin to understand that there's a spirit of liberty that comes through the word of God and the holiness of God that he wants to impart to his people. So I want to talk about that. Brother Ron, if you would, start with me on James chapter 2 and uh, starting with verse 6. Um, we closed out, and, and again, how fitting it was with James uh, we closed out last time talking about, you remember, principalities and powers and strongholds and the fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And, and we closed with the previous verse that was talking about kingdoms. And I, I talked about, and I'm just kind of bringing everybody up to speed. We've got a few new people here, so I want to make sure everybody's on the same page. But on verse 5, he was talking about kingdoms and how there's a clashing of kingdoms. And the way that these kingdoms are settled, whether it be my kingdom or your kingdom, I've I've seen this many times even in evangelizing. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but evangelizing. Usually when I'd go into a church, the very first thing I'd see, Dad, when I'd walk in, for the uncanny ability, God would let me see the throne or the principality of that church. And whether it be a throne of iniquity or it be a throne of God's glory and authority, I'd pick, pick up on it very quickly. And then God would begin to give me messages to begin to deal with those principalities and those powers that was affecting the thinking and the mindset of people. Because the bottom line is, it's a battle of kingdoms. What James explains this, Paul picks up on it, which I talked about in Ephesians and Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 6, take on the whole armor of God. And how these are the things that God has given you and I. He's afforded you and I everything we need to survive, to make it, to be effective. That ultimately those that are here on Monday night or come Monday night, you remember me talking. What was lost in the garden? Dominion. And God's wanting to give that dominion back to the church. And where there is no dominion, these things run rampant. Sin runs rampant. Addictions run rampant. Problems that, that are not just life. You can't say that that's just life. That's just a, a happenstance. When things happen that, that are just kind of uncanny, that is a stronghold of that area that is taking things out. I, I don't disrespect or anything to the young men. My heart grieves over them. But it's a stronghold that took these things out. Or these young men out. 
And it tells you and I that, that, that the church is supposed to have dominion over these things of leisure action. Of, it's just casual drinking. It's casual. What I hear about these boys, they were good young men. They were uh, good men and kind and respectful. Why does it always happen to those that are good? Well, it's a sign for you and I that the enemy don't play fair. And he's going to do everything in his power to take out the innocent and the good. I could think of a few I'd let him take for free. But he don't do that. He'll take the good. And what's that telling you and I, as the church, we have an authority in prayer that we can settle that the kingdom of heaven would reside in Indian village. And I'm going to declare it till I'm blue in the face. We can stop it by the authority. It's not law enforcement's... We want to blame the law enforcement and this and that. You know what? It's the church's responsibility. They enforce the law. You and I tear down the stronghold that helps them enforce the law. Where the church is in its position, you'll have law enforcement that we can make their job real, real easy. It's the settling of kingdoms. So James closes with it and then how fitting. Now, I'm going to read these scriptures and I'm going to touch them. But don't let your mind go down roads because there's a reason James uses these kind of scriptures. Verse 6 he says, But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats. What James was trying to explain or the main point that he was saying is, and that word oppress means to lord over He's saying you're looking at the things that would be prestigious and pulling. <laughs> now that's hard. When she's crying out and then she looks and says, is it okay? Yeah. The enemy knows how to make things appealing. And here's what James think about it. It's on the heels of kingdoms. It's not a coincidence that now James shifts gears into Lord. Oppressed means Lord. He's saying these people of opulence and power are lording over you and you're wanting to be them. You're wanting to move in that direction. And he was already trying to establish there's kingdoms that's battling for over this. Next verse. Do they not blaspheme thy worthy name which they're called? He's saying you're wanting to run with those that don't abide and believe in the name like you do. This is where we come into equally yoke. That's why I cannot buy into this economical movement. I can't buy into it. I'm going to love everybody, but I will never be a part of an economical movement where all these religions come together We'll be, I can come together and I'll eat a piece of bread with you. But it will never, never, never change my position on what's doctrinally, salvationally right. And he said, don't blaspheme, they're blaspheming the name. They think the name is just some casual thing. They slander it, the name of Jesus. Next verse. Now he brings it into, if ye fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
So now James is taking this dilemma because you see, in this time, these Jews that were coming to God, they're, they're people that didn't have a whole lot. And the allurement and the pull was to pursue what they were doing for power and prestige and hidden motives that ultimately it would cause the kingdom of God to be hindered. He was preaching to the church. He was not preaching to a, a, a bunch of backsliders. He was preaching to save Holy Ghost filled people and trying to encourage them and show that there's a kingdom war. And you've got to understand who really is the enemy. What we're thinking is okay and is normal. You and I have got to look at it from the perspective how God sees it. God don't take lightly to somebody blaspheming his name and saying that's just another name. But I, I don't know about you. I got that name upon my heart. So anything that opposes. And he said the answer to the royal law is love your neighbor as thyself. You got to love everybody and no partiality. Next verse. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law of the transgressions. Partiality means you are working in sin. It's deliberate and intentional. What he's saying for the church is you cannot show partiality to individuals regardless of where they come from, their walk of life, the color of their skin, the amount of money they've got in the bank. You cannot show partiality. Because if you show partiality, it's sin. But then, he don't leave them there. He now shifts gears again very quickly. In verse 10. Now this is where it's going to get interesting. He gives them this whole, you would think, James, man, you're out there in left field, James. What's kingdoms have to do with partiality? What's a kingdom have to do with me and you showing favoritism to, you know, there's some, let's just be honest, there's just some people I like better than others. Hello, I wish I'd be honest. There's just some people, huh, Bentley, I like. And then there's some, man, it's just a little bit harder to kind of, but I love them as a neighbor. And I'm going to treat them right. And I'm going to do everything right. What is James talking about partiality for? He said, because in God's kingdom, the way God rules and reigns is such as this. He looks at every individual. That's why this whole, and I'm going to be real careful how I say it, but this whole movement, Black Lives Matter, we can't even say it no more. Because if I say it, it may go viral. And I'm not against African Americans. I'm not against Hispanics. I'm against anything that rebels against the will of God and the word of God. And in God's economy, whether they're African American or they're Hispanic or, or, or they're Chinese or Japanese or Vietnamese or, or Caucasian, it doesn't matter what we are. There should be no partiality in God's kingdom because God loves every individual the same he loves every individual the same. His love for them does not change. And James is saying, if we don't establish this now, it's going to cause a stronghold in the church. Verse 10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law 
and yet offend in any one part, he's guilty of it all. The word guilty, fails, means to stumble, sense of making a mistake. Here's what James is saying in verse 10. He came in and said partiality. And if I do it, it's committing a sin. If I show partiality. But then he comes in and says, For whosoever keepeth the whole law and offend one point, he's not talking about a mistake. Or he's referring to a mistake. What he's referring to here is is the justification behind the action. Hang with me because it's going to get a little, little deep here. James is not dealing with, because everybody makes mistakes. Everybody does and says things that they shouldn't do. That's part of our humanity. I'm not going to be fair in times I should be fair. I'm going to show partiality when I shouldn't show. We all make the mistake. We do things and say things we shouldn't do. But the whole thing about the law and what he was saying was the royal law was is you've got to remember what the target is in the kingdom. I've got to love one another equally. I've got to show not partiality to you, but I've got to love you. I've got to love you the same way I love him. And when I find myself not doing so, I cannot justify that one point. And here's what James is saying. If I do one and justify it as okay, I'm guilty of everything. Here's how we do it. Well, you know what? I'm not a bad person. I'm really a good person. I just got a little cussing problem. I'm really not a bad guy. I just every once in a while lie. I'm really not a bad guy. I just every once in a while, you fill in the blank. And what, what James is trying to say is God equips or God allocates for you and I mercy in the mistakes. Where he does not allocate the mercy or mercy is withheld and judgment later comes is when I don't own up to what I did. If I own up to the fact that, hey, you know what? I should not have said what I said about Brother Dale to Sister Linda Bush. I shouldn't have said what I said, but I did. Now, what I could do is just say it like this. She knows how he is. It ain't no big deal. She understands that probably what, you know what, she really agrees with me anyhow. This is how kingdoms are divided and spiritual wickedness is established. James is still dealing with how this stuff comes about in our own human behavior. But this is the part that's hard for us because everybody wants to think we're good. This preacher is not good. There's nobody good enough to merit God's righteousness. That's why he had to bring mercy to you and I to say, you're right, 
You and I will never be good enough. I don't know how, I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how much work you do on a video camera. It will never constitute your salvation. What constitutes the salvation is me realizing I need mercy to step into where I am. God, you're right. I'm a liar. God, I'm a deadbeat. God, I'm lethargic. God, I'm a sinner. God, I'm a pervert. God, I'm an adulterer. God, I need to, and if I acknowledge what I am, mercy can come like a river and establish me and establish a kingdom. I'm going to say it again. There's a kingdom of heaven that God's wanting to establish an Indian village that can shake the world. But we've got to let God be God in his mercy. Oh, I feel my help, Sister Georgia. Good. This ain't a question of how good. Why is that always the issue in Bible studies? I'm good. This ain't about good. Are you saved? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. But am I pleasing unto God? It's the garden. It's relationship. We have birthed a generation. Hear me. We have birthed a generation. That's why we have lost many of them. Because we never taught them relationship. We taught them of what you got to do. And you just do what I say. And they never learned the God of why. We just got it down pat. I got to do. You can't do this. You can't go there. You got to do this. And we missed the whole memo. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with it. When you don't understand, yes. Obey those that have the rule over you. Obey your mom and your daddy. Obey your... I got that part. But somewhere in my living and for this next generation, we've got to reveal to them the God of why. He's ready to answer the question. God's not tucked away in a corner saying, I'm afraid to answer the question to a church. God's ready to give the answer to the church that you and I can take dominion and have the garden all over again. But the question in the battle that we have, well, I'm good. He said, if you offend one, one. I've read that for years, Brother Larry, and here's what I thought. Oh, my God. What? Huh, I'm sorry. Give me my passport. I'm heading down yonder. Because I do, I break one all the time. I don't do this. I don't cast down every evil imagination. I get some crazy thoughts out there. I'm not perfect. And I read that and it goes, oh, one point, I'm in trouble. That's not what he was saying. What he's saying is when you take the one point and you justify that one based upon all your other works, Oh, I'm telling you, I'm hitting up against something in the spirit again tonight. It's, it's the nature of this area. It's all about works. If I do this, I do this, I do this, I'm saved. If I make enough peanut brittle, then I'm saved. You may tell you, I know many people that made a lot of peanut brittle and they ain't never going to walk on streets of gold because in their spirit, they're angry. They're gossiping. They're backbiting. They're unforgiving. They're jealous. They hate things, but yet they got the outer trappings, but they ain't got the heart that says, God, I want to serve you because you're good. I want to serve you because you're merciful. God, I am a sinner. It doesn't matter what I I do. I need God now. But I look at everything. But look at all I. I'm gonna put my head on. Man, I preach 
Some great messages, God. Man, I'm on one of them podcast things. I'm famous. I, I mean, I got some great messages, God. Surely, you'll let this slide, this little anger issue I got. Surely, you'll let this slide, God. I, I, I mean, I went in churches as an evangelist that, God, I'm telling you, there was a hearse outside ready to pull them off because they were dead as a hammer. And I preached to them with everything I got, God. Surely, you'd let that little violation go. See, my justification is what got me in trouble. And we got now churches that are established in southwest Louisiana and all down I-10. Churches that are old. Churches that have been there for a long time. And if we're not careful, we're going to let the mindset get a hold of us and say, you know what, God? I, be- I built this church. I paid for that pew. And if we're not careful, we won't deal with the other little things that God keeps saying over here that this is what justifies your faith. That don't justify your faith. What justifies your faith is that you and I are obedient to the word of God. And when God says, I need a fervent effectual prayer, that's obedient to the word of God. When he says, everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord. That's the fervent, that's what God's looking for. I can miss that and think I'm right over here. This is good preaching, ain't it, Will? You won't hear this kind of stuff, though, normally. Here's what my mind has made up, Will. My mind is made up that I've got to do everything in my power to not only save God, save me and that family, but I got a church family that I got to make sure is going to see streets of gold. And whatever God wants us to do and whatever strongholds we need to pull down in our mind, God, I'm willing to say, God, just do what you want to do. This is God's church. This is God's people. This is God's economy. This is God's kingdom. And when he finds a people and a man of God that says, God, you can abide here. I'm telling you, you're going to see a backslidden son come in that back door. I'm not just preaching you to hype you up. I know what I know in the spirit. When the church gets dominion there ain't one drug addiction there ain't one alcohol addiction there ain't one anger issue that God can't set them free okay how backslidden they are okay how far they are but it starts in the church remember James is preaching to the church He's preaching to the church that I cannot justify the one. Now watch. Oh, it gets way a lot better. A whole lot better. We can't pick and choose it. Now watch. Watch what happens. Go to verse 11. Here we go. For he that says, do not commit adultery, so do not kill. If thou shalt not commit adultery, if thou shalt not, or that become a true graduation of the law. You know what he just said? You're coming to me saying, but God, I ain't never committed adultery. I'm not as bad as that one. So therefore, I'm okay. Is this making sense? It's the deception of the end time. The deception of the end time is is letting us believe we're okay when we're really not. I don't want to go to a doctor and I'm ate up with cancer and him to come in here and say, I tell you what, son, you're really doing well. Everything's okay. But if I go to the doc, I'm going there with one 
intention. I got a problem in my body and I need you to tell me what's wrong with it that I can further my life existence. That's the way it is in the church. You and I are here for one reason. I want to make eternity my home. And the way that I do that is I need to know in my heart and my spirit what's out of alignment, what's out of order and God bring it back in order. I'm going to say it again. God's going to find some backslidden sons and daughters that the world gave up on and the family gave up on and God's going to get a hold of their heart like he did a Paul of Damascus and bring them home. As long as Sister Peggy's I stay there, I ain't shot nobody. I ain't killed nobody. I'm, I'm, has anybody ever other than me said that? Thank you, Brother Joe. I'm so glad, honestly. I said it. God, I've stood for your doctrine. I've preached it unadulterated. I've preached it in love. I've preached it backwards and forth. I've done everything I can. God, I ain't never shot nobody. Surely you'll let this go. And God says, in my kingdom, there's got to be order. In my kingdom, I need complete allegiance to me. See, now to you, does it make sense, Brother Larry, why he was dealing with the rich man? Because they're looking at the rich man going, oh, come on, he's my buddy. When really, what really James, like many times a preacher does, he makes a comment, but really he's reaching for something deeper. And James was reaching for something deeper. It had nothing to do with them wanting to be rich. Some say it could have been, but it was more than that. He was dealing with a concept that was underneath it that he wanted those people to see without the blood and the mercy of God. We're all sinners. That doesn't mean I got to live at Calvary on the cross. That means I visit the cross, present my body a living sacrifice. But my goal, Sister Peggy, is when I get up off of that cross or I get up off of that altar, I'm heading to resurrection moment. I'm heading to dominion moment. I'm heading to a place that I'm not just going to pray and now lay me down to sleep prayer. But when I go to God in prayer, the presence of God's going to meet me and he's going to give me a strategy. He's going to give me an understanding of how to pray for my family and for my kids and for our church and for our community. Unity because there are many that need salvation. We can't pick and choose. Go to verse 12. So speak ye, and so do as they shall be judged. There it is. So here's what he says the law of liberty goes all the way back. What he's speaking of is Calvary in the gospel. And what he's saying is this. You don't have no fear to be honest with God. I I love that part, Brother Jeff. Here's why. Because many times I I come sometimes to God and say, God, what are you going to think about me though? 
And many times we don't go to God because we're afraid. I'm talking about relationship. And if you don't think this way, then pretty good chance there's not a good relationship there with you and God. But if you've got a relationship with Him, you're going to talk to Him like this. God, there's things in me that I didn't even realize were there, Sister Sandra. But I go to Him regardless of what He's going to think of me. And I know if I can get pushed beyond my fear and get honest, mercy's going to come where I am. And I can get a healing. And I can get a fixing. And I can get a restoration to my mind and to my family he said here's the answer you don't have to fear going to God you don't have to fear going to him in prayer you can be honest let it's so hard for us men I'm going to preach to the men it's hard for us because we're so don't make us soft because we get honest God I'm afraid tell him God, I don't know what to do. God, I need your help. Because it's the thing that will establish the right kingdom in your home. If I can't get honest, and James is trying to give us a little nudge of encouragement by saying, listen, speak up. Jesus, I love you. God, I love you. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're so good. There's a time for that. But then there's a time for you to speak up. That's the translation. Open your mouth. Because if you don't open your mouth, you're probably a candidate for justifying something that is not right. But if I can open my mouth and say, God, out of all of it, take it. I wonder what would happen if some would just... I've seen people, I've seen it in their eyes. They're so bitter and angry. And they wear a preacher out. Because he's preaching, God's going to help you, God's going to help you, God's going to help you. But James has given us the answer. Here's how bitterness is, is handled. Speak up. This is how fear's handled. Speak up. Because if you'll speak up, and so do as they be judged. He's saying... When you speak up, you're not going to be judged by your failure. You'll be judged by the law of liberty, which I purchased on Calvary. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. So if you can speak up and say, God, yes, I'm afraid. Yes, I'm worried. Yes, I don't have, as a man, that's hard for me to, I don't know what to do. I don't have the answer. Bible studies have I taught you heard me say they'll ask me does Adam have a belly button I don't know I'll wait on some of you to catch up y'all gotta think think Adam was the first no belly no mama no belly button I don't know I don't have to have every answer I just gotta know how to point him to the one that does and he said the law of liberty is my hope when I don't know what to do. Calvary, the death, the burial, the resurrection, when I don't have an answer and I don't know how to break free and I don't how to know how to get my mind. I wish I had about five men that would be honest right now. Quit acting like you got it all together. That's what I'm hitting up against right now. God, I need you right now. I can't break out. I can't break free. I cannot change this situation. You don't have to. The law of liberty can move. 
and begin to break things away and break things off and break things away and, and, and where I feel like I can't have a victory God's ready to give a victory to you and to your wife and to the children to the community and to our schools folks that's what this is all about we can't just be a church in a community they got that a dime and a dozen I want us to be an entity a body of believers that say God is for me and God is going to help us as we move into what God has So do let me judge by the law. You're not judged by how perfect you are. You're judged by how, how many times do you go to Calvary? Somebody hear me tonight. God's given us answers. You're not judged by how perfect you are. That's what man does. They show partiality. They look at people like you and say, you should have no business in here. You had a father that preached it. You should have been living for God all your life. And the enemy condemns you. And man makes fun of you and judges you. But here's the beauty in all of it, Dad. If I look at the law of liberty and I stay at Calvary day in and day out, I don't worry about what man says. I'm not worried about their judge. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You came out of sin. You came out of the world. You don't have no right to even be here. It's because you realize it's through the law of liberty that I've got a victory in God. I got to go to Calvary every day and be honest with my will. Don't paint it all perfect, throw it out there and be honest because it's in that honesty. And transparency and vulnerability before God. He's not asking you to do that man. He's asking you to do that before God. Before Him. Because you see, there's another law. See, I ain't got time to qualify it. And plus, I'd probably bore you with it. When he talks about law, he's speaking of kingdoms. See how it all connects? I'm not just warbling from here to here to here. A law is ascribed to a kingdom. What he's trying to say is, when you realize here's what I am, here's what I've done, here's where I'm not perfect, you come out of your kingdom and the law of judgment and the law that says you're not good enough and you'll never make And when you move over into the law of liberty, you move into God's kingdom and where God can build something over people that just... It's a different law system. It should take the pressure off of people that says, I can't, I'm never going to be perfect. You never will be. I never will be. But as long as I stay in his economy, then everything. Go to the next verse. He says, 13, there it is. He shall have judgment. He shall have judgment. It's in my office. Go find it for me real quick. I need the Amplified Version. You got your Amplified Bible? Give me Amplified Bible real fast, Brother Joe. And find me that verse right there. Find me uh, James chapter 2. Who's ever first? Brother Fontenot or Brother Joe? Race his own and who's going to get it first? I need James chapter 2. Is it Amplified? Uh-oh. Amplified. James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 9, which was amplified, amplified 2. There it is. Uh -uh. Verse 13. Yeah. 
Lord, now I got everybody up in here. I got everybody. But I'm going to just turn to mine. Here it is, James. For judgment will be merciless. Watch. To one who has shown no mercy. Where you and I don't show mercy to people that are walking in that back door. There will be no mercy for you. See why he's dealing with partiality? It ain't got nothing to do with the rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't show partiality to the rich and the poor. You can't, or, or superstars. How many times I said that? You let one of those superstar sport fellows walk in the back door. We get so stupid. I've seen it. I've been around them. We get crazy, man. It's like, give me your autograph. We want their autograph. I'm thinking we're in the house of God. What in the world are you doing? Partiality. It's not just that. It's the people. He says, for judgment will be merciful to the one that shows no mercy. But watch. To the one who has shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Here's what it's saying. If I show mercy to people that I told mercy will come to me. And it would triumph over the judgment that was supposed to come to me. I should have been dead. I should have been backslid. I should have lost my mind a long time ago. But you know what happened? Mercy came to me when I didn't deserve it. it here's what happened. I learned, Sister Gail, I might not always agree with people's sin. But I'm going to love them through it all. And I'm going to give them mercy and let them see, hey, if you just keep coming to church. You just keep. I've said it to people in this altar. I said it to Cody. I said, Cody, I don't even want you praying. Oh. Y'all still okay? I said, I don't want you praying. I don't want you doing nothing but get to the house of God. I'm going to pray for you. Because there are some things you can't even fight. And whether he's here tonight or not, the prayers of God's people never stops and it don't matter how far they are sister Peggy or how way out there in left field and how hopeless it may seem God's prayers of the people of God are forever reaching in mercy See, that's what makes a prayer effective. You're praying with mercy. That's what makes you and I go to our knees because I'm looking at somebody that's destitute, maybe on the side of the street and have no hope, but mercy begins to kick in and a tear begins to roll down my cheek and I begin to say, God, be merciful to them as your mercy has come to me and stop the judgment. So, if I can give mercy then God will give me mercy you say now what does all of that have to do with the next verse here it is and I'm about to stop what doth it profit a brethren though a man say he have faith and not works now watch me this is it I'm closing musicians come really y'all are, whenever you get done just come on here it is. James just went through a whole list. Partiality, 
justifying the one little thing I need to be honest with God about. Kingdoms and the balance. And here's what he says it for, one reason. What does it profit to say you love God? I, I'm going to put it to where we are. What does it profit for me to come to church but not manifest the works of what the church teaches? James was trying to explain to them. Here's what he says. Genuine faith is a reality on, when, on, one, on which one stakes. Listen, I'm closing. He stakes his own life. Not merely a passive assent to doctrine. It does me no good to say I believe in Jesus' name and not witness to somebody and win them to God. This is James. Don't get mad at me. James says it does you no good to say it. I believe the doctrine. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And have no works as an outlet to prove what you believe. Genuine faith is a reality on which you stake your whole life. Now do you see why James was dealing with rich men and partiality and all these things? Because they were taking their life and saying, I want to be like that one. And they were comparing one another. And I want to be like this and I want to be like that. And God says, you don't understand. In my kingdom, I'll take the drunk, I'll take the meth head, I'll take the prostitute. I'll take anybody that will turn to me and get honest. And say, I will do what you're asking me to do. And mercy will come. And the miraculous will come. And dominion will come. willing to stake everything and not just merely a passive assent to doctrine. Young people, hear me. God's not looking for passive young people now. We have lost more generations because we have transmitted a passivity to our next generation. We've never taught them the fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth. Failure to obey or manifest good works signifies a lack of faith. I have people come to me and say, God's in control. But yet they don't witness to nobody. They don't pray effectually. They don't, they don't do this. I'm not saying we've got to have everybody. I've said this before. Not everybody's Bible study teacher. But here's what I've got to be, Brother Sean. If God's asking me to do this, I've got to do it with everything I've got. Because what he's asking me to do is contingent on my faith being justified before the Lord, which in essence declares me righteous. And in the end time, what he's going to do, Brother Larry, he's going to look down at my righteousness and your righteousness, and we're going to stand before God. And here's what we're going to say. But God, I've never denied the doctrine. And God's going to say, where is your works that justified the faith? Because now I cannot declare you righteous. You've lived for God for 30 years, but you're still lost. Where's my board? Y'all ready? I'm preaching truth. I'm not against anybody. I'm not shooting at anybody. I want to see people come to the house of God and see the liberty of the Spirit. And this is how the liberty of the Spirit comes. 
This is how the liberty of spirit hangs and, and manifests the miraculous on you and I. And James is saying, your faith cannot just be an absence. Here's another one. Vine's Expository Dictionary of the New Testament Words says this. Faith, Pisces is this, in relation to God. A firm conviction, a personal surrender, a conduct inspired by such surrender. Faith says this. God, it doesn't matter what's coming against me. I put every bit of my trust and surrender of my life and my family to you. And if we surrender everything we got to God, His kingdom comes. And with His kingdom, hear me, with His kingdom is angels that begin to work for you and I. We have tried for years to build churches upon talent and our intellect and our money and our abilities. When God said you didn't have to do any of that from the beginning. All you had to do was submit to me. Love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. And I will send rivers of mercy. And when that backslider walks in that back door, he's not going to find a judgmental church. He's going to find a church that can say, hey, 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 Billy, I was once where you were and mercy found me. I was once where you were and mercy found me. It's going to find you too. Stand with me. James said, faith without works is dead. I'm not saying, I'm going to make sure I clarify myself very clearly. I'm not saying God's not calling you to a Bible study teacher if you don't be a Bible study. You do what you can. God's not calling you to this, do you? But if everybody does, God's called them to do. Now here's one thing that I will say that's universal. Praise is for everybody. So my faith, Sister Carol says this, faith without works is dead. If I don't praise God, seven dimensions of prayer, Heliel, Misphia, Yada, a raising of a hand, a raising of a voice. If there's not that, my faith is dead. God has declared this church to be not a normal church, Brother Larry, but a church that will reach to the uttermost where the society and rehab that's why I go back to it Sister Peggy I'm not done with Cody I'm not done with Skyler I'm not done with anybody that you have told me that's bound by alcohol or drugs because God is challenging this church to step to another level that you've never been at before and just let me make a promise to you when we get to that level and we're getting there trust me when we stand shoulder squared back you're going to see them back doors scream open and everything that's kind of difficult right now and saying God this is hard no it's not you're going to shout across the front with your son You're going to shout across the front with your daughter because mercy will have flooded the house. I'm telling you, I sense it everywhere I go. I told you, I sensed it last night in that other church service. There was something moving. God is preparing churches. And I believe many of you have come to me and said, Brother Benoit, we have 
fought something in Indian Village for 30 and 40 years. I've had people in this church, established saints, come say, it's been here for 30 and 40 years. And you know what I, my response back to that is? Yeah. Ground was gained. Things happened. But here's one thing that's different. The end time is upon us. And it's evening time. And we don't have the time that we can take. I've had people even say, man, they, uh, I've had some evangelists come say, man, Benoit, man, man, things are moving there. I'm like, thank God that God moving. And my response back to them is, take something God is doing something in our church so quickly for individuals in here. He's equipping an army, Brother Larry, of men and women of God that realize, I've done all this and it didn't work. I'm ready to do something different. To find whatever it takes to see my... You know, I passed by this church. Why in the world all these people that surround this building, none of them come to church? Well, you don't understand. She cussed us out 30 years ago. I don't know what the story is. I don't want to know. Here's what I'm telling you. God is doing a work now for churches all over North America that's different than it's ever been before. And we are a church that God has picked that He wants to show Himself strong, Sister Agnes, like we have never seen before. That's why I say it so strong. I can't wait for that one to walk in that back door that everybody said it'll never change. When it happens, Sister Sandra, I'm going to be bucking and shouting. I may put a hole in the sheetrock. We're going to have to rewind it. Because I'm anticipating that one to walk in. You know why? Because I'm amongst a group of people that mercies come to you. Mercies come to you. And that mercy's flowing out of you tonight. Lift your hands and let's ask God. God help us here tonight.